0: Welcome to EHS On Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor in chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week I talked to Sajma Mita, CEO of CDMS, about working with California businesses to improve workplace safety. And now, on to in the interview. I'm joined today by Sajma Mita, CEO of CDMS. Welcome to the show, Sajma. Thank
1: you for having me on, Jay. I've heard your podcast for a while and uh, uh, excited to be here.
0: Oh, thanks. thanks. Excited to have you here. Um, Before we get started, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and the company.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, So, I'm an engineer, you know, and uh, CDMS is a team of uh, EHS professionals. Typically, we we have backgrounds in chemical, mechanical, um, environmental engineering. And basically, we are effectively, like, become the EHS division for a large majority of our clients. So, we... Uh, you know, visit client sites, do periodic inspections, uh, audits, uh, ongoing audits. We help them complete all their reporting requirements and uh, are available for support on the telephone whenever they need us, things like that. Um, so that's basically, and CDMS was founded about um, 35 years ago. We just last year celebrated 35 years and, you um, It was founded right after the tier two regulations came into effect, you know, at the national level and then were translated into California. Uh, Back then, you know, it seems like a simple requirement now, but even today, it's a major deadline for us. But uh, back then, people had no idea how to create these hazardous material management plans. And um, so anyway, so that's how we were founded. And um, uh, yeah, so so we are a team. uh, So. We take a team approach, you know, Our team, each person delivers CDMS to our clients, not just mm-hmm. their own, you know, so there are some consulting companies which are, you know, we are not billable hour oriented, we are fixed fee, we are, um, you know, like, again, a team approach which basically a consistency uh, is, mm-hmm. you know, enforced across, um, you know, so that we can maintain a high quality of delivery, you know. And actually, uh, the way our origin story really informs uh, our services to the day, it's kind of interesting. So we were um, founded by a team of like enterprising professionals who were deeply networked uh, with all the small manufacturing facilities out here in California. And so our founders would spend hours just talking, you know, going to all these facilities and spending, uh, talking to the owners and the you know, operations managers and things like that. And so, and surprisingly, you know, what's surprising to me is even to this day, the issues related to EHS that are facing these facilities are not that different. You know, yes, Mm -hmm. you know, AI, we talk about AI, all these, you know, technology changes. We have software that can do lots of things for people now. But if you look at the perspective of a facility manager who is overworked, you know, Mm -hmm. has so many things on their head, and and if you look at the type number of regular different agencies that will regulate this person's facility, you know, like the Air Resource Board, the Water Board, uh, the municipality, the Cooper, which you know in, enforces some of the DTSE or EPA Cal EPA regulations. It's not uh it's not about technology. technology is not the issue, you know, in in terms of it is um. It is actually knowing which regulations apply what, you know, what is really happening in this facility, some kind of. So the human element, you know, still, uh, I think people outside the EHS space will be surprised to hear. But if the EHS folks already know yeah. that it's the human element, that um, that still remains the the main, main issue, you know, that may, the facilities face at uh, this time. Um,
0: so how did you get involved with CDMS? What was your uh, background?
1: Oh my! Uh, I'm an engineer. You know, I have uh, I have published things. I'm mostly I, I, I'm much more. Uh, if I had to say, you know, uh, I'm a published author and patent holder. But my work, uh, I guess, original work has been had had been uh, about data science and uh, analysis of data and how it can be applied to all different kinds of arenas, Uh, but when I met the, so I took over the running of CDMS from the previous, uh, the the folks who had founded it all those years ago, and I met them when they were at a very interesting point in their life. They were, um, they had run the company for over 30 years, uh, looking to retire, and uh, wanted to find somebody who was technology-oriented in order to take over and run the company. So, because one of the things unique about CDMS is, even though we the way we take care of our clients is very, you know, white glove, hands-on. Uh, in the background, we use uh, databases and uh, things like that, and and scripts and things like that, in, in order to make our work much more efficient and to deliver our work in a cost-effective ways. So, you know, if we uh, each of us did all the work, just like an EHS person on site would do, we wouldn't be able to deliver the cost-effectiveness basically, and and so so. For that reason, they they were very excited to meet me because I have a background which lets me appreciate what they had built internally all these years, you know, just homegrown software and things like that. So, yeah, so it was a good meeting of the minds. And um, I thought that, um, you know, the, the other thing that motivated me personally is... Um, You know, again, going back to the, you know, people outside EHS versus the EHS professionals, you know, people outside EHS don't really know how regulations, you know, the common man out there does not know how regulations really impact the environment. How are they really impacting the manufacturing facilities, industrial facilities, distribution centers? There is a lot of armchair philosophizing, you know, among, (laughs) among the people. And there are very strong opinions in both sides, but without full knowledge and understanding of of what is really you know when the rubber meets the uh, road what really happens you know so i thought uh, i was very excited because it's an opportunity for me to uh, move away from that armchair you know and and actually every day i meet now with clients and understand their what's happening with them solve solve their problems for them you know uh, in in alongside my team and um it's given me a much better appreciation, both f- for what the government does and for what mm-hmm. the what the you know in industry faces from both perspectives. I have a you know so so I really like that about my job, and uh, yeah.
0: How long have you been there?
1: I've been here for three years now, okay. uh, from 2021 onwards.
0: Um, Two and now- a half years. Do you, uh, does CDMS work with businesses uh, just in California or are you, are you across the country?
1: No, we are currently just focused on California. Okay. That's how we originated. You know, maybe someday we'll move uh, move to other states. But right now, you know, there is so much more that we could do within California is how we, we are thinking in terms of um, what we would like to do in the next few years. Um, yeah, um, and, we are experts. Yeah, sorry, go oh, ahead.
0: No, no, you can no, go ahead.
1: No, I was just saying, um, you know, there's so much more to do in, ca- in so much, you know. So the thing is, because we have been working with all the local regulatory bodies for 30 years, uh, we have this depth of knowledge and information stored in our databases and things like that. Like understanding every cooper, you know, how is it different from the other cooper, and what is the history behind it, and uh, you know, this, uh, what kind of enforcement do these, uh, is happening this year versus last year? What kind of enforcement does Northern California, Coupa, you know, or San Mateo County, Cooper like to do co- compared to the Livermore, Coupa? These kinds of things, you know, or the sanitation district, which is also very local. Um, yeah, so these, uh, th- that's our strength. And I think moving it to another state will be um can be done. We will if we if we move. We take this kind of approach, the very um, detailed understanding type of approach, because that's how we deliver value. But um, right now, we are not we are not looking to do that.
0: And California is pretty unique. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how different EHS compliance is in California as opposed to anywhere else. You've got a lot of a lot of different agencies there.
1: Yes. Um, you know, so the cali p a California, in some ways uh, so, so everybody thinks that California is draconian, right? And um, it's in some ways it's true, and in some ways actually not so much. So if you look at uh, compare uh, say, Texas and California, you know, which would be if if you were not in the h s space, you would think those two would be very different. If you look broadly at wastewater, uh, wastewater treatment, hazardous waste treatment compliance or, um, you know, stormwater regulation, wastewater regulation, discharge regulation, air district, there, there are equivalent divisions. Just like CalEPA has these different divisions in California, Texas also has uh, various divisions. And in some cases, uh, surprisingly, you will find, um, you know, the requirements in Texas are, are more stringent. For example... Mm-hmm. If you look at the stormwater uh, pollution prevention plan, that if you have activity going out, going on outside your, um, on the outside of your facility, you know, then you have to um, sample things and report things to the government and things like that. So if you look at the training related to how to sample, uh, how to take samples, how to understand them and things like that, that training is only required once in California, whereas in Uh, Texas, it's required every year. It's an annual requirement. And in fact, I would say we usually recommend our clients to do it once in three years because you're going to forget some things. And in fact, the cost of doing a wrong sample may be higher than the cost of actually doing the training in terms of time and money and it. So in some ways, but it is true that broadly speaking, California is a little bit more proactive. Uh, So for example, California, the unique thing in California related stormwater program there was a senate bill that was passed in 2019 i think or 2020 something like that a few years ago which requires uh, everybody to register uh, all industry everybody within with some certain uh, sic code certain industry subsectors to register with uh, the stormwater board um or they will not uh, get their business license renewed so that has that was that has been one way in which they force people into Uh, at least acknowledging that, you know, and stating that they are not doing anything uh, on the outside of their facility. So I think that's pretty unique to California. And there are other things, you know, Prop 65, as we know famously, the cancer-causing warnings that uh, are there in California, that's a California thing. There is a federal-level stuff which basically says if something's cancer-causing, we will ban it, right? But California has a list of chemicals which may have not proven to be a cancer, but could potentially cause them. And California doesn't ban their use. It just makes sure, it just wants everybody to, um, to, um, Basically, put that warning in there. And and there's different opinions. The other thing I would say is in terms of enforcement, you know, sometimes California takes the citizen approach to enforcement. Uh, For example, um, you know, Prop 65, nowadays, everybody just puts Prop 65 warnings everywhere. Uh, All the manufacturers do that just to protect themselves. But in the early days, uh, even today, like, the law says a citizen can sue anybody, any of any manufacturer, if they have not put the appropriate warning in there. So that was one way in which California info, you know, caused enforcement instead of having a large body. Um, and same thing with the stormwater board, for example. Right now, we often see our clients uh, getting sued by... Uh, some uh, agencies, you know some nonprofits which are trying to protect this the water and and California allows that, you know, and then so it's part of their mechanism, enforcement mechanism, in addition to the inspectors that they have. And that's sometimes unfortunate because um, the industry because um, you know when when you look at inspectors who come and say the Cooper inspectors, for example, or stormwater inspectors, They have a a view of uh, the broad range of industries that happen in California. They're a little bit sympathetic towards from the to the the industry perspective. So, um, but you know, it it is um, it is what it is. And we have uh, you know, uh, 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 we and many of our you know other people who provide consulting services in California are aware of this and uh, have uh, advised our clients on how to appropriately you know so for example if you have a, a citizen uh, enforcement mechanism um, you might um, you you may be forced to you you may be forced to prove so let's say you did not sample for a whole 4 months or 6 months and it was because rain uh, the way rain fell in your facility there was not enough water Going out of the spout for you to be able to collect the sample. But if the citizen, um, uh, if the nonprofit looks at your neighbors around you and says, oh, all of them were able to take samples, surely you you must be (laughs) negligent or something like that. But it's possible, you know. So then what happens, what ends up happening is we work with our clients to, you know, take regular logs. So every time it rains, we recommend our clients to write down, you know, that I went to this. Uh, you know the the storm drain, and I checked, and uh, I noticed there was no uh, free flowing water for me to be able to collect sample for this, this, and this this reason and just things that like covered. that. So yeah, just so you're covered. So we end up having our clients do much more um, monitoring and logging than the regulation requires, basically.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, what are the the biggest compliance issues that you help companies with?
1: We uh, so you know there are uh, different companies uh, do different things so we uh, focus on small to medium companies so anything up to 300 million dollar revenue or 300 employee 300, 000, uh, 300 employees or uh, that's typically most of our clients we also have clients which are much bigger fortune fortune 500 but um, so what these facilities face is you know again this array of uh, regulatory bodies and agencies but um, if they could uh, afford one, there would be a maximum of one EHS person. That person may not be, may not know everything about all the different regulations. They might be early in their career, you know, and and if you, you have to have an expertise to be able to decide who to hire even, you know, mm-hmm. and, and train them. And if they leave, you know, uh, replace them, all of this, uh, plus the cost of, just the cost of doing business in California, you know, cost of hiring people in California. So our sweet spot is basically, we become the EHS department for our clients. Uh, we take care of all of their, like wastewater, air, um, you know, hazardous waste treatment, uh, all of the permitting requirements, uh, stormwater, you know, uh, we all of their permitting requirements. We visit their facility once a month. We do, uh, we prepare logs that they're, uh, safety people and their maintenance people can fill out on a weekly basis. We don't do that, but mm-hmm. we, we help them basically manage their EHS program. So that's, that's what we do, uh, uh, like a one-stop shop solution.
0: And there's a, there's a lot to keep track of. So I imagine that, you know, if you're a small company and, and you don't necessarily have the expertise that services such as yours would really come in handy.
1: That, that, that's true. And also, you know, so even if you're a big company, there are some, uh, some of our clients are, you know, multi branches of multinational right. companies. And in fact, like there was one company, I, I won't say their name, I, um, huge, uh, multinational, uh, company, you know, uh, uh, they manufacture medical devices here in California. And, uh, we were speaking to them and, uh, uh, talking about uh, you know what are the regulatory requirements they had received a, an inspection from the local Coupa and uh, they had found out that um, they uh, that there were some things missing we helped them satisfy that but uh, but then we told them uh, so we did a like a mini uh, audit which we do for free for everybody that we visit and uh, we told them hey you need to register With the DOT, there is something called DOT registration that you need to do uh, uh, because there are certain types of hazardous materials that you have and then you ship and things like that. And uh, so then they asked, they they were not even aware of it. You know, this is (laughs) so. and, And in fact, like DOT is not one of the agencies that I mentioned until now. Right, right. It just happens to be something that they need to do. And and they said, okay, how do I know whether I need to register for it or not? How would I have known? And I said, look, I, I have to, I'm so sorry, but I have to contract with you for a, one of my analysts to analyze whether you need, the DOT puts out a, like a three-page document and you, it's a flow chart. You have to go through that and and figure out whether, even to figure out whether you need to register or not. Mm-hmm. It can't be just a, an admin person in your team who can do right. that, you know? So, so that's one of the, you know, I don't I'm sorry, I, I kind of lost track of what the, what where you were, but I think that's one of the challenges that I was just
0: asking about sort of the yeah. biggest, what are the biggest compliance challenges yes. that you're seeing for, yes. for most people, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think there is, this, this is one, if I had to think about it from my customer perspective, uh, some frustration around, how do I know what exactly I need to do? So many times in our service, you know, even if clients don't need to do, say, let's say the biennial report, which is due once in two years uh, to, the cali- to the EPA, we would still we still include determination. You know, so part of our service, you know, like, yes, you need to complete these reports and we will complete these reports for you. But we will also regularly maintain a determination of whether you need to do X, Y, and Z, because obviously your operations are not remaining static, whether you ups, uh, you know, whether you, whether the company grows or or shrinks, whichever way, uh, the regulations keep changing and also enforcement changes. So that's one thing. And the other challenge that I say compliance, if I had to step back and say, many times we receive emails from our clients which say, Hey, I received this email marketing campaign and, they're saying I need to do X, Y, Z. Is this true? You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so um, how? who do you trust to tell you whether any of these requirements is really true or not? You know, um, I, again, I guess uh, it ties into that thing of, because it's complex to even figure out whether you need to do something or not. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so we help we help with you know those kinds of things. We just do it pro bono, you know, for our clients. We they ask us, um, you know, somebody asked us uh, there is a new um, actually California um, energy use reporting requirement that came up a few years ago. It's AB 802, uh, Assembly Bill 802. So um, yes, yeah, so one of our clients asked us. I received this flyer in the mail. Should my building be registered? No, that's another, you know, whole another reporting mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, and what California, the California government wants to do is try to figure out whether, um, you know, try to track energy usage and hopefully uh, then be able to report on how we are doing better as we go towards uh, minimizing energy usage in buildings and things like that. So for re- related to climate change, and so, yeah, so then we looked it up for them and, and found out that, um, in fact, they qualify for an exemption because of some, you know, 50 percent industrial use type of re- requirement. And then we helped them file for an exemption so they don't have to do it. So, so those kinds of like there are uh, actually many of your clients, have, many of your um, guests have spoken uh, about how ehs itself you know regardless of whether it's california or not is a space where which is vast the 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 number yeah. of so um and in in statistics you call that long tail you know so basically there are a few things that everybody needs and then there is a long list of things that a few people mm-hmm. need and um, and that's what um, that's why the industry is the way it is you know that's why there are so many environmental consulting companies because because of the long tail of uh, of different requirements that there are,
0: um, are you seeing businesses becoming more proactive about safety? I mean as you know obviously you've seen you've been around the industry for a while. Yes. Are you, are you, do you feel people are more attentive to it than maybe they used to be?
1: I think uh, yes, you know, uh, more and more um, so there is a Cultural shift, you know, so in general, I would say over the decades, you know, there's a cultural shift where employers um, feel it's their duty to take care of their team members. So that's one thing. But also the with the increase in costs in different ways, um, the, so for example, the workers' compensation insurance is so expensive. Uh, and uh, if you have a few incidents uh, that can make a significant difference to your bottom line, especially if you are a manufacturing facility, which where your margins are already thin. You know, like as you know, the manufacturing industry in California, in some portions, is you know is 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 experiencing tight margins. So that ends up being almost like a very important decision for the business. You know, you br- so we, In fact, one of our clients. We help our clients to do, you know, on the safety side, we do tailgate trainings. So whenever they see an increase in incidents, uh, typically this is also a longest, well-established fact in safety. If you remind uh, your team members to be safe, then the number of safety incidents, you know, basically injury incidents decrease. It's uh, it's. Not even just the specific not even the specifics of how to how to be safe, but even just reminding themselves them of safety and and saying that, look, we really care about this. you should report things and before they escalate into big stuff, things like that. So uh, yeah, for some of our clients, we do um, uh, we we provide also Spanish language training, which is somewhat again California specific sure. uh, and um, And we provide tailgate training, so where we, you know, once a month when we visit the client, we spend 15 minutes training their people on a different safety topic each month. And that, uh, and we have, uh, you know, and whenever we receive, like um, six months ago, we received an email from a client um, out here in Fremont, which said, thank you CDMS for bringing our safety, you know, like number of reports to zero uh, over the last six months. And we really worked hard with you and uh, you were instrumental in making that happen for us. So those uh, th- those days are, v- are very special <laughs> within CDMS. We all, you know, we're like, oh yeah, you know, every day we are kind of deep in the weeds, right? We are trying to get the clients to give us some information and the clients are too busy to send us information, this or that. <laughs> so there's a lot of nitty gritty that happens. And then, and then you get an email like this and then you're like, yes, you know, I feel this is exactly why i come to work every day so it feels great uh, but nice. yes the safety is imp- safety is definitely uh, incre- increasing not just because of the cultural change but also because of the practical realities of uh, of saving yourself some money you know it can be it can be 2% of your revenue <laughs> you know it can right. that the difference can be huge
0: yeah there's that and there's also you know your employees i think certainly younger generations now they don't want to go home you know missing a finger or something they want they want a safe workplace yes. so I think you know I feel like people in older generations kind of you know they needed the job and they'll just you know if yes. they get hurt you know so be it we'll just you know soldier through but I, I mean I think people realize now if this is an unsafe workplace I'm going to go work somewhere else
1: yes And sometimes we do notice, you know, because not just our clients, we are in touch with many facilities, uh, you know, even if they are not directly our clients, we do notice that, let's say, sometimes there is some turmoil happening at the management level, and uh, the the eye, you know, they don't have their eye on the ball as far as safety is concerned, you will see uh, turnover increase, you know, people... uh, people will leave more frequently, the people who work yep. on, on the manufacturing floor. And that actually further, you know, not only impacts the culture and well-being of people, but also further redu- impacts your bottom line. Because right. as, as these people turn over, you're training more people, you're spending less time on, you know, like, uh, it's just um, not... So ultimately, I, I feel that... I, I always like it when what is good for the world... Also aligns for with what is good yeah. for, for 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 the pocketbook, right? Because then uh, there is not a conflict. You, you, from your heart feels good, your pocket feels good. you know about doing something. Then you're more likely to actually just go ahead and do it. so so we do notice that. We do notice that there is a big difference when the management pays attention to safety just for their own yeah operations. Um,
0: how are you uh, seeing businesses prepare for California's new workplace violence prevention law? Oh, uh, which yeah. goes into effect in uh, in July where you've got to, you know, have a plan in place. And, uh, you know, are you seeing uh, businesses starting to, you know, prepare for that?
1: Yes, we have, uh, you know, we have received some, some of our clients reached out to us and said, hey, what is this regulation about? Some mm-hmm. of them were unaware of it and then we told them about it. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, what we are seeing is, it's only a handful of other states that have this requirement already right. in place. And um, what we find is that typically, if there is a bigger company that has operations in multiple states, uh, so workplace violence was always something that OSHA talked about, even though mm-hmm. the federal OSHA, even though it was not a requirement uh, in some sense, you know. And what the, uh, so we, we see some of the bigger companies already have some workplace violence prevention training in place but the uh, but this particular requirement is interesting because it um, you know it, it applies to every company that has more than 10 employees or is open to public even if it has fewer than 10 employees so in that sense uh, a lot of um, smaller clients are going to get you know um, uh, are going so the great thing is, at least it it gives us, you know, they gave us eight months or nine months right. too. So uh, plus, I think uh, I think one other interesting requirement there is the annual training requirement, and uh, I am a little concerned about the cost that it uh, further increases to for our clients because uh, it's not a training that you can just buy off off the internet. Uh, uh, there are some specific, you know, you have to analyze the facility and understand, you know, like um, and train your people on the specific ways in, you know, high probability ways in which violence can occur at your facility, basically. Right. So yeah, so there is that. But uh, but I think six months is good enough time. You know, nine nine months they gave us nine months. There's six more months left now. We are gearing up to help uh, all of our clients, you know, with this. Um, and uh, we would, uh, in fact, and the way we are thinking about maintaining it is uh, very similar to the injury illness prevention plan, right? So, which is uh, a little bit more extensive for manufacturing facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of modeled on that. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, it's inter- it's interesting because nationally, especially with federal OSHA, the focus has been on workplace violence and healthcare. Yes, that's really where you know I think the the major amount of it happens. That's right, um, but you know, interesting that California you went all in with everybody uh, right off the bat.
1: <laughs> I think California was also. I, I would bet that they had the you know retail establishments in mind, mm-hmm. you know, but then the way they wrote it, um, unfortunately, it impacts everybody, uh, and and to some extent, as you know, <laughs> if, you, if you look at the. Uh, you know, discussion among safety professionals, you know, mental health and these kinds of things have mm-hmm. actually in the last few years become more and more a part of safety maintenance. And I think violence is somewhat adjacent to that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's good, you know, it's, it's good to have. It used to be somewhat, it used to be under the domain of HR, right? right. The, but uh, um, harassment and things like that. You know, but now that would also fall under under this program. So I like that, you know, I think it's not bad that there is a log maintenance of logs recording incidents and things like that.
0: Um, I mean, once you so, get it in place, it's not, yes. you know, then it's easy to maintain it. I think it's yeah. the hard part is just getting it off the ground, right?
1: That's right. That's yeah. all, yeah. Yeah, you need a, a, an initial analysis and an understanding of what are the requirements and am I making sure that, I'm satisfying everything but once you have the logs in place like you said yeah it's it becomes um it's infrequent like mm-hmm. one hopes yeah
0: well Satya, this has been great thank you so much for joining me today appreciate absolutely. it
1: absolutely thank you so much Jay. i'm uh, happy to talk to you really excited
0: to be here that wraps up episode 192 of vhs on tap You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.